You are Locked On College Football, your daily podcast on all things college football. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to Locked On College Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Josh Ward alongside Andrew Wade. It is a Ward and Wade Wednesday on the show, and this is a busy week, a busy time in college football. You have coaching changes that have started to take place. You have championship games. You have some regular season games closing out. Of course, you have cancellations. You have signing day today, the start of the early signing period. So we'll try to cover as much of it as we can. It's an important time to maybe remind you we're here five days a week covering what's going on in college football. It's a daily show, Locked On College Football. Remember to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. That's a big help. But, uh, Andrew, there's a lot going on, as I mentioned, including championship games this upcoming week and schools trying to figure out where things are for the future. So all of that is blended together right now. Yeah, and you got to mix in coach firings. I mean, it is a – for what typically is a pretty much a dead period, right? Because in a typical year, this is the start of bowl season. We're starting to get into some of those small bowls that no one really cares about, but kind of feeding that appetite of of needing some stuff, right? But we're in the full, we're in the thick of things. We have recruit. I mean, I was thinking about this last year, and I was covering recruiting so heavily because Iowa had a month between their last game and their bowl game. But now, I mean, I completely forgot the recruiting period was we're here. Today yep. is the early signing period day, so a lot of futures are going to be set with um, NCAA programs going forward for the next four or five years. It's crazy to think about how everything is kind of intertwined at this point, and we also have college basketball going on too. It's just a crazy time in college sports in general. Yeah, right. Plus you have the transfer portal having some names added. You have some some players who have decided, okay, it's time to move on. I have this extra year of eligibility. I want to use it somewhere else. Perhaps so some teams still have games to close out. Obviously, you have teams that are playing for championships, but some regular season games that will be played this weekend. Others are done. Some teams are done with their 2020 season. But uh, I think you're seeing seniors who are looking to move on, even even if their teams have games that don't count for as much, have decided I'm going to go ahead and get ready to move on because you have to get ready for a spring semester, which will be starting up in just a few weeks. So it's just a, a complicated time for a lot of the teams. Plus, we are. Uh, getting close to finding out who's going to go play in a college football playoff. So all of this is happening at the exact same time. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. And you talk about the transfer portal and I I really love, you know, a lot of things have been wrong, right? With COVID we have, um, had a lot of issues as we go through this college football season. Obviously, I don't want to take anything away from what has happened during the pandemic, but one positive that has come out of this is that the NCAA has changed and put a little bit of lax policies in place that I think they should have had in place from the beginning. How, I mean, as an 18 year old, you're making a decision that decides the rest of your future. And if you decide that that doesn't work after a year, you are punished. And you have, unless you have some sort of weird circumstance or you're a quarterback, you're not playing for another year. And I, I do like the fact that college football is seemingly going towards that way and allowing, you know, transfer students to get one year or one transfer kind of free process. I think that's freaking awesome. And I think we're going to see a lot of people use that in the coming years. Yeah, that should officially come into effect here in just a few weeks. So you're not turned off by the idea of free agency, if you want to describe it as that in college football or college athletics. Not at all. I mean, and it, it's easy for me to say that because Iowa is not – I'm a big Iowa fan, right? Iowa is not recruiting a lot of five-star prospects, a lot of four-star prospects that are expecting to be starters 
instantaneously. So you're not going to have some of those situations where maybe a player just wants to play. I think that could be part of it. But I think really what this rule is made for is for the players who join a program and it isn't all that they're hyped up to be. It's maybe not about playing time, but maybe the coaching fit doesn't seem to fit as well as that you thought it could. Or maybe you did lose your job to someone who is younger than you and going to be starting over you for the next three to four years, or maybe the coach leaves. I mean, there's so many different circumstances that can kind of happen here. Um, I think it's great for cultural and there is going to be a free agency aspect to it. It just doesn't hit as, as much to home for me. Same here. Uh, I, I see coaches move all the time and I know it's not the exact same thing, but there's some kind of comparison, right? Jeremy Pruitt is Tennessee's head coach. He was a transfer as a player and he's been a big advocate of players being able to transfer and play right away. Now, if he were to lose a big time player who wants to go to Georgia, Alabama, would his tune change? Probably some. I mean, if, if an individual player leaves now, he benefited from Cade Mays transferring from Georgia to Tennessee this past off season. So I think that's worth, reminding people yeah you're gonna lose some guys but you can always go get players too it goes both ways in terms of the opportunity doesn't mean it's always going to work out in your favor it won't always work out in your favor but you might lose players you might be able to add players Uh, in the end we are talking about college athletes with typically a five-year window here and uh, I think there have been too many restrictions in the past. We've, you know, the, not, it wasn't that long ago that coaches could say, we're not going to release you. And they could transfer to another school, not even be on scholarship. We're not even talking about playing right away. They would have to go walk on, which I thought was absurd that coaches making seven figures could tell kids, you have to go spend money to attend this other school. But uh, that's behind us. And uh, does it mean everything's going to be smooth? No, of course not. Uh, there, there will be controversial stories. And by the way, we'll benefit from that on Sports Talk Radio and in, yep. uh, in, in the podcast world. So I, I should add that disclaimer. But overall, I think offering up more opportunity is a good thing. It also does complicate things in that these count against numbers. And I, I think coaches are going to be spending a lot of time the next couple of years, especially with the extra eligibility and figuring out the 85 and blending recruiting and transfers to figure out what to do numbers wise, but also coaches will tell you the numbers always work out. Yeah. I think there's, there's really, as you're talking, I thought about there's really two negatives that can come to mind. I think it's going to actually hurt some of the mid-major programs. When I say mid-major, I mean group of five programs. I'm in that basketball mode right now, but it's going to hurt some of those group of five programs because typically where you see a player star there and, you know, a, a group of five program can put together a fantastic season. Now, if you have a fantastic player, they have, they're coming off a great sophomore season. What's going to stop them now from going to a big time program and trying to elevate their game against tougher competition, right? You look at North Dakota um, and I'm Trey Lance. Yeah. Why wouldn't he decide to transfer at that point? Right. He, he is able to, you can go and play against tougher competition and take away that concern, right? You take away that concern against playing against lower competition. Um, I think as well as you talked about the, the numbers game, the numbers always worked out for the college, but what about the players or the high school recruits who have a scholarship? And then all of a sudden an SEC school says, you know what? We're good. We actually don't need you because we're getting this high profile transfer. That does happen. That is the, the, you know, the downside of, of college recruiting is there are some high school prospects that get left and fall into the wayside because they put all of their eggs in one basket and there's no loyalty in, in some places, not all, 
just some places. Those are two negatives, but overall, I think it's great for college football and for the athlete to have that power to be able to change if they need to. Yeah, I think that does go into the complication list uh, that that I was talking about. Like Jabril Cox, he's a linebacker at LSU who came from North Dakota State. So he left North Dakota State, yep. and there will be more players who do that. At the same time, if a player's at LSU or Alabama or Ohio State, one of the higher level or Power 5 teams, or not even a higher in, in Iowa or a Rutgers or – um, Oregon. How State. dare you put Rutgers next to Iowa? No, no, yeah, I apologize. <laughs> I apologize for, for doing that to you. Although Rutgers, hey, three wins going for four this. I mean, this they're week. impressive. Yeah, great job. Has done a great job. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. I apologize. The Vols as well. Hey, they're they're three and six right now. So it's in the center. Okay, equal opportunity with locked on Vols and locked on Hawkeyes. But if it doesn't work out for them, they could drop down and play. And uh, while they would arrive not necessarily as an established name. They would have talent most likely to where they would have a chance to thrive. So that I that I think is where you can also come back to the give and the take that is always there. Absolutely, yeah, couldn't agree more. And we're already starting to see it happen too. I mean, that recruiting process is already beginning to take place. Mackenzie Milton, um, he's a big name guy. UCF now going to Florida State. So it's yeah. it's kind of fun to see some of these guys already make the decision. And that also does help from the aspect of the fact that it is signing day today. I mean, people are deciding their futures today. Um, we're starting to get a pretty good feel for what programs are going to look like going forward. Um, like I said, I know it's in, like Iowa, for example, has lost five or six guys, the transfer portal, um, a it being kind of an open year, B it being open for the transfer portal to allow you to transfer once I, again, it's going to impact every program. Um, I also think it's going to place an emphasis on coaches, making sure these players feel valued within their program, even more so than they might already do because there is such an uncertainty of whether they can leave so easily, as opposed to where previously they had a year where they had to sit out regardless. Yeah. Plus the coaches, by the way, right now are trying to figure out where am I going to be coaching? It's a time where coaches look for other jobs and that's an ongoing conversation. By the way, this is all happening during championship week. So we'll come back and we'll take a look at games to pay attention to for conference championships and of course, playoff implications when we return here on Locked On College Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And you know, considering all these issues that the coach are going to have to deal with they might not uh, like a nice ice cold Coors Light at the end of the day at the end of the work day maybe pop one open in the coach's office Andrew but uh, Coors Light it's perfect for whatever sport you're watching you mentioned football is going on basketball is going on right now holidays are coming up how about pairing all of that with an ice cold Coors Light it's a stressful time out there, man. I mean, it is tough. I'm I'm a big Iowa fan as you know I cover a lot you know Hawkeyes and Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast and Iowa just had their game canceled against Michigan. I'm stressed out. What am I yeah. going to cover for the next couple of days? I probably need to sit on the couch, chill, watch a basketball game, and drink an ice-cold Coors Light. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. The only beer out there that is made to chill, just like I need to do after we get done recording here. Coors Light, though, is the one I choose, and I need to unwind. I have a case in my fridge right now, actually. So when you want to hit reset, reach the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. That's right folks have it delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com and as always remember to celebrate responsibly this message is brought to you by Coors Brewing Company Golden Colorado of course Andrew all of this does not mean you can hit operation shutdown there's a lot going on how about grabbing a built bar the next morning I know you've talked about it as a as an easy breakfast replacement I like it in the middle of the morning or the middle of the afternoon as a snack fill-in the built bars have a ton of flavors the bars are covered in 100% chocolate they have uh, nut and non-nut flavors. They continue to add to the list. They're just so convenient and nutritional for you. You can go to builtbar.com to find them. Absolutely, man. I mean, the, I've been looking for a great protein bar 
for years. You always see those things. Oh, they have a great flavor. It looks like it's going to be delicious. You try it and it tastes like chalk, right? That's not built bar though. This is the first protein bar that I actually feel like tastes just like a candy bar. It gets me going. I love eating them. It's not like a chore to get that nutrition. And it is excitement because I basically get a candy bar with all the nutritional benefits that you don't get in your traditional candy bar. Let me walk you through one of my favorite flavors, Josh. I love the cookies and cream, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, four grams of sugar and four grams of net carbs. You can't beat that. You can't find a protein bar on the market that can match that nutritional value and that taste. And right now we have a fantastic promo for you. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on L O C K E D O N. And you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. Andrew, we hit on a lot of the offseason stuff that's already started and, of course, will be going on over the next few weeks, but it's championship week. What do you think about the Pac-12 title game with USC, which is unbeaten, and I'm sure still saying, hey, what about us with the playoff talk, even though there's not much talk there with the Trojans, but taking on Oregon, which is, of course, replacing Washington. And by the way, this is happening while, at least as of this recording, you still have Mario Cristobal's name being mentioned with the Auburn football job. Yeah, man, it's quite interesting to me. Um Oregon, this probably wasn't the path they anticipated taking to get here, Um, you know, playing five games and losing two of them, but they are here and they're in a prime position to make sure USC does not accomplish their goals this year. And that could also put Todd Helton on the hot seat as well. Um, He's just basically one loss away and he's been flirting with that line the entire season. The USC team has gotten better in recent weeks, but they have needed some ridiculous comebacks to be able to get to the point of being 5-0. and um, Personally, as a guy who wants to see his Iowa Hawkeyes in a New Year's Six Bowl, I'm hoping Oregon takes care of business here, and I think they can. Um, they're starting to put it together, and I, I believe they can beat USC. Yeah, Clay Helton's team has lived dangerously, but – uh, Clay Helton, not Todd. My bad. Yeah, yeah. You, the Tennessee connection there. So it works. Uh, and of course, <laughs> Tyson Helton is his brother coaching at Western Kentucky. But um, if what if USC does win and is 6-0? They have lived dangerously, again, with close wins, including needing to come back at the very end against UCLA this past weekend. But what's the right way to evaluate this USC season if they do finish 6-0, and uh, even with a few very close endings starting at the beginning of the season and then uh, the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I find it tough to say, oh yeah, USC deserves to be up here. The Pac-12 is not a traditionally um, sought after conference, right? I mean, A, they don't play in a great time so people can watch a lot of their games. Um, their, their conference in general is a little bit weaker towards the bottom and they haven't had the most success as of recent when they play some of these big name bowl games. And then you look at USC's schedule – They barely beat Arizona. They barely beat Arizona State. They needed to come from behind win against UCLA, which I lost money on, which is unfortunate. Um, That's not impressive to me, and I don't know how the College Ball Playoff Committee can find that impressive. Yeah, I don't think they will. So uh, USA, I think if they they do win, they'll get a pat on the back and uh, congratulations on the championship. But a couple things. One, you didn't play enough games, too. Some of those games, including against Arizona, you mentioned. I mean, as dreadful as they were, Arizona State not a not a high level opponent. That's uh, not enough. U- UCLA, it's a big rivalry game. It's still. Uh, I think that Ohio State's going to do everything it can to run it up on Northwestern in the Big Ten title game. Am I right to think that? A hundred percent. I already put money on Ohio State covering. Here's the thing: Ohio State's defense is not as strong as it has been traditionally in the past. Their past defense. It's actually pretty garbage. That's why Indiana was able to come back from them. Their pass defense is not good. 
That being said, Northwestern can't throw the ball further than 10 yards past the line of scrimmage. Peyton Ramsey has been a serviceable quarterback. He's the reason why Northwestern – he's one of the reasons why Northwestern went from one of the worst teams in the Big Ten to playing in the Big Ten championship game because he's consistent. He's kind of like Chad Pennington. Remember him from Marshall, plays the Jets yeah. for a while? He's kind of like Chad Pennington, a noodle arm guy who makes the right throws and doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. That's what he is. That doesn't matter versus Ohio State. They'll just load the box, stop the run, and they're not going to be able to pass against him. And then Ohio State's going to out-athlete the hell out of Northwestern. Um, I expect it to be close in the first half, but I do expect Ohio State to pull away because they absolutely need to. They need to make sure there is a zero ounce of doubt in the college football playoff committee's I, you know, minds because they need to make that college football playoff. That's why they're in this championship game. That's why the Big Ten changed their entire policy so they could put them there. Yeah, you're shouting out the Knoxville turn pro sports legends here on the show with Todd Helton and uh, Chad Pennington. <laughs> Chad's a Knoxville native uh, before I, going to Marshall and then on to the NFL. I wish I could say I tried. <laughs> what about elsewhere? Oklahoma, Iowa State, to me, that's uh, at least in the, the big conferences, that's the most interesting championship game. Um, what do you think there with uh, Iowa State against Oklahoma, who have probably over the last few weeks been saying, don't forget about us. We'll just we'll forget by the time it's time to name the four teams for the playoff. Yeah, Iowa State's in an interesting position, just knocking on that door of a college football mm-hmm. playoff committee um, or the college football playoff invite. They did a lot of things to happen this weekend for them to actually be in that conversation, and they're not favored. And I think there's a re- you know obviously Ohio or Oklahoma has really come on strong as of late. Spencer Rattler has improved. It was his first season as a starting quarterback, but this game concerns me uh, for both teams. I think Iowa State more so than any other team has a great defense designed to stop in Oklahoma. They play a 3-3-5. They have five defensive backs. They have a star player that I think – I think it's Greg Ellsworth or Eisworth does a fantastic job in the secondary as well. That defense is not a traditional big 12 defense. It's strong. It's built to rush the passer and stop the passing attack and Spencer Rattler struggles under pressure. So to me, that's going to be really interesting to watch how that game plays out. Um, I know this doesn't matter, but from a betting perspective, I'm staying the hell away from this game because I truly think Iowa state can win this game and has the ability to, but Oklahoma is clearly the more superior team from a talent perspective. What do you think about Clemson and Notre Dame where Clemson's a big favorite 10 and a half points there against Notre Dame, which beat Clemson earlier in the season, of course, with Clemson not having Trevor Lawrence on the field. Yeah. I mean, didn't, didn't Clemson against Notre Dame also, weren't they missing their two starting linebackers as well? Yeah, they, they were down. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they were down. Um, I don't think the difference between DJ and Trevor is honestly a 10 point difference, right? I mean, that was a close game. You're giving them a 10 point difference here. Uh, Not anything against Trevor. I think DJ is just a a very fantastic quarterback. The issue in that game was Clemson couldn't run the ball. They had a few turnovers as well. Um, I do think that 10 point spread will be covered. Clemson needs to win this game. If they don't, I don't know how you keep them in that college ball playoff. And so I truly think they have the better team and they should have beat Notre Dame, in my opinion, last time as well, without Trevor Lawrence, without their starting linebacker. So um, I do think that spread makes sense. I, I'm staying away from it again, but I think Clemson should be able to beat them by more than 10. Florida's a really good team, despite the loss to LSU. Uh, that, was a, that was a tough loss and uh, what a way to lose the game for sure. But tell me why Alabama wouldn't win this game. Yeah, before can you, that kick was ridiculous, man. That LSU kicker. Yorks, yeah, yeah, incredible he, kick. Chuck destroyed yeah. that thing. That was Didn't absurd. Get enough attention because of so much attention on Marco Wilson's penalty. Yeah, which also just the dumbest thing. But you know what? If you're going to do that, that's on you. I don't even care. Uh, it is ridiculous, but you need to be able to, as a coach, Mullins needs to be able to coach his players up to not make those dumb mental mistakes. That, to me, is a product of the coaching. I, you can't do that kind of stuff, but I, I digress. Um, I, 
we talked about this. It's going to come down to the offenses. Like it's basically going to be who gets the ball last essentially. However, I do think Alabama's defense is better than Florida's defense. And that to me is an advantage because Alabama's offense is also better than Florida's offense, but not to, you know, very close and very similar. I think Alabama easily runs away at this game though. I, I think Nick Saban's on a freaking mission, man. I mean, do you see what they did against Arkansas? I know yeah. Arkansas isn't the best team and the, they're probably one of the worst teams in the SEC, but that's a team that still shows up and they play hard every single game. And after a rough first quarter, they just turned on the Jets and they have so many athletes on that team. Matt Jones has been fantastic. I don't know how you cover that, that group of wide receivers either or stop Najee Harris. Yeah, and this doesn't mean it's going to translate, but two weeks ago, Alabama absolutely destroyed LSU. The week, uh, the next week, LSU goes to Florida and wins the game. Again, that, that doesn't mean that Florida can't compete with Alabama. I just think in the end, Florida can't beat Alabama. Coastal Carolina, Louisiana, I'm excited about this game. You have Carolina, which gotten, has gotten all kinds of attention. That big win against BYU, still unbeaten. But Louisiana is a, a really good team. Its resume is uh, quite impressive with what they've been able to do. Billy Napier is getting some attention out there, by the way. But uh, I'm excited to see these two teams play again after uh, their matchup earlier in the season when, uh, when Coastal won by three points. It's going to be a freaking blast to watch that game. People forget that Louisiana Lafayette, they beat Iowa State early in the season. And that looked like a really bad loss for Iowa State. Turns out both teams are just really darn good. And Iowa State probably didn't have their best game yeah. played that day. But that's nothing against Louisiana. They are a solid football team. And Coastal Carolina struggled against Troy. Now, it's tough to go down to Troy and win. They came off a huge win over BYU on a short week. Um, I expect them to be a little bit more uh, hyped up for this game. But uh, this is a game that can go either way, especially, I mean, Coastal Carolina season in general. If they lose to Louisiana, that takes nothing away from what Coastal Carolina has done as a program. I mean, it has been phenomenal. And honestly... I feel like if they were to go to a big bowl game, a New Year's Six bowl game, they would be destroyed. And that's nothing against Coastal Carolina. I just don't think they're at that point yet. They've had a fantastic run. But I think against a Power 5 program who is in the top 10, they wouldn't be able to handle that very well. I agree. So uh, look at championship weekend coming up. We'll have a few more thoughts on the upcoming weekend and some signing day thoughts. A number that shows you the rich – just getting richer in college football. We'll explain coming up right here on Locked On College Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Andrew, today is the first day of the three-day early signing period. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, prospects can sign. The majority of players who are signing this week are signing today. So a lot of this will maybe have been taken care of by the time you're listening. The, the day's kind of spread out, though, I think, because of social distancing. Some kids are at school, some are at home trying to figure out how to sign a letter. So all that, it'll get figured out. But this is an interesting note, I thought, from Ari Wasserman of The Athletic, who noted earlier this week that if you look at the 2021 class with the players who are committed right now, pull up the 247 Sports Composite Ranking, 45 of the top 100 players in the country are committed to one of five schools, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, LSU, and Georgia, that percentage is expected to get even bigger once the classes are completely signed. That means that roughly 50% of the most elite prospects in high school football are going to five programs. Half of the top 100 players going to five programs. And how about this? Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, LSU, and Georgia. Andrew, those five programs have won 17 of the 18 games in the first six years of the college football playoff. They have been the richest programs on the field and they are only getting richer. It's frustrating to me because there's a lot of parody 
for college football when you get past those five programs. And LSU has a down year right now. Obviously, they've struggled quite a bit. They also lost their entire starting lineup. It's, that's a little bit tough to replace. And typically, you're not replacing 22 starters. You know, if Alabama, they might lose 11, but they also have 11 guys returning who could be first-team all-conference, Pac-12, or Big Ten players, right? So there is a little bit of a difference there with LSU specifically this year. But that, to me, is frustrating. Um, and I think it's frustrating for programs as well. I was talking to my buddy about Nebraska. He's a huge Nebraska fan. That program has struggled the last couple of years and why they've struggled is because they were not happy with nine and 10 win seasons. Now I'm not saying it's impossible to get to a 12 win or undefeated season, but it's very difficult when all of those good players are going to those five programs. And now people might say, well, recruit better. It's tough. It is mm-hmm. not easy out there. Why would you want to go when those teams are clearly going to go to the college ball playoffs almost every single year? Why are you, I mean, if you want to play for a national championship, it's pretty obvious who those teams are. Now you're going to have those, you know, those random guys that, that are going to choose to go to a program like a, let's say an Oregon or an Iowa or Wisconsin or whatever, and try to build something up there. But that's not easy to do. And even when you see a team like Wisconsin go 11 and one, they still get their butt whooped by Ohio state. Yeah. Even some of those teams that have been able to work their way in uh, Michigan state, Washington quality programs, right? Good teams. Then you play Alabama and Clemson and it's whipping time. You're right. It's, it's embarrassing. And I, so Iowa had one year in the last 10 years where they were a part of that conversation. It was 2015. They lose to Michigan State. And now had they beat Michigan State, they would have got Alabama. And honestly, after seeing us lose to Michigan State and then seeing what happened to Michigan State against Alabama, I was like, you know what? I, I'm okay. I, I'm happy that we didn't make it. And then I saw them get their butts kicked by Christian McCaffrey and Stanford. But I digress again. It's just it's frustrating. And why would you want to do that? Yeah, I think I had Stanford in that game, by the way. So that still worked out well for Josh. Yeah, happy, happy for you, man. That was a that was a rough <laughs> New Year's Day. I was hungover and watching Iowa just get. It looked like they were playing on skates, watching Christian McCaffrey. That's when I knew Christian McCaffrey was going to be a star. Yep. So if you are tired of seeing Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State and Clemson show up in the playoff every year and beat everybody by typically 21, 28, 35, 40 points, they're going to keep doing it. And uh, by the way, if you think. Uh, Name, image, likeness. If that's going to, uh, if that's going to help the big programs, maybe so. But they're already there. They're already at the top. So uh, again, the rich will be getting richer here this week and in the first week of February when the 2021 class is uh, is wrapped up. So signing day will be worth paying attention to to see what happens. Are there any flips? As uh, there are, you know, coaching rumors out there. Auburn's trying to put a class together without a head coach in place, at least as of right now, and they're trying to move quickly in that direction. South Carolina maybe made its move knowing, hey, we need to get something done. Yep. With Shane Beamer in place, same with Vanderbilt with their hires over the last couple of weeks. And by the way, Andrew, there are other games that will take place this weekend. So before we wrap up, you know, Texas A&M is a team that is not in a championship game, but it's thinking, hey, we can still maybe get in if we get a little help. I don't think that A&M is going to get in, but number five team against Tennessee this week. What do you think about where the Aggies are and should they be trying to put on a show to at least impress as much as they can? I mean, absolutely. At this point, nothing, you never say never, right? When you're, you know, that high up in the rankings, one loss, if you see Clemson lose or you see basically if it's Clemson or Ohio state lose, that's yours for the taking. You need to put on a show and show the committee that you deserve to be in that spot. So if I'm Tennessee and I know you're, you know, you're locked on balls guy, I'd be worried. I feel like Texas A&M is going to try to show out. Now that being said, 
I have never been that impressed with AM this entire season, despite mm-hmm. the fact they're seven and one. But yeah, you want to show out this weekend. If Clemson loses the ACC title game, so that's two losses both to Notre Dame. You put Texas AM in that spot. I, I think there's a stat that there's never been a two loss team in the college ball playoffs. So personally, what I would rather actually see, and this wouldn't happen, but if Clemson does lose, I would rather see the winner of the Big 12 go. I, I don't okay. want I don't want to see two SEC teams or even three SEC. I don't, I think honestly, and that's for me coming from a standpoint of, I would like to see the conference champions make the college ball playoff. I think that's what it should be. So that maybe is a little bit my bias in that, that regard, but I think it should be the winner of the big 12. They're going to get smoked, but it it would at least be fun to see another conference in there. Yeah. And uh, by the way, I don't think last segment I mentioned Cincinnati Tulsa, that is Saturday night. That's an eight o'clock game on ABC. So they will have seen what's happened during the day there. Any chance if things get wild that Cincinnati will get any kind of opportunity if it's unbeaten with the championship? Or is it, again, kind of like USC, congrats on the title. You're not going to the playoff. Yeah, I think it's congrats on the title. You're, there's no chance you go yeah. to the playoff. Also, I, I think this is a big upset alert. I'm probably going to put money on Tulsa Moneyline. Okay. Their game has been canceled twice. Cincinnati decided just not to go down because they had some issues and they rescheduled and they decided again, not to go down because they had some issues. And I think, you know, they came out and said, we probably could have played that game, but it just probably wasn't in their best interest. They canceled Tulsa senior night because of that. If I'm a Tulsa player, I'm freaking pissed. I know that you already had the motivation of wanting to win a, you know, an AAC championship game, but I'm a really pissed now because then you can ruin Cincinnati season. I don't know, man. I, I, I like the motivation there. I'm putting money on Tulsa Moneyline, man. You know what? And uh, in a weird year, which it very much has been, why shouldn't championship weekend be void of, of any weirdness? I, I think that we, we could at least get one of those games. Why not Tulsa-Cincinnati this weekend? Absolutely, man. It'll be a lot of fun. I was expecting to watch Iowa-Michigan, but the Big Ten is having some, some COVID issues. So uh, I'll probably be tuned into that game and, and go and t- room for Tulsa, man. All right, so it's championship weekend time, signing day, coaching searches, all that good stuff, and uh, transfer season is upon us as well. Andrew, it's a a fun time, I would say, as well. Uh, Anything that we missed, anything to uh, close out on here? I think not, man. We tried to covering everything, but as you said, we have shows every single day, a fantastic group of guys and girls dropping all the knowledge you need to know about college football and Locked On College Football Podcast. Shows covering your teams, shows covering your conferences. Locked on College Football is here five days a week, so two more shows to go this week. Rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. That is a big help. For Andrew Wade, I'm Josh Ward. Thanks for hanging out. Have a great rest of your day. See you next time on Locked on College Football, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.